0: Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right. What up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Nicholas Natale, who is a podcast host and online entrepreneur. Nicholas, how you doing?
1: Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, Timmy. Let's do it.
0: Let's do it, man. Thanks for coming on. We'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself, what you like to do for fun, that'd be great.
1: Absolutely. About myself, that's a tricky question. I've been stewing on this, too, because it's like you could go, I'm friend, brother, you know, all those things. (laughs) Or do I go with the career-wise? I'll go career-wise. I went to school for software engineering. I worked as a software engineer and software project manager for the DOD. Quickly got out of there, got into podcasting, and have been doing that for the past four years. What I like to do for fun is uh, I've been training at an acting studio and also at a comedy improv theater. So those have been sustaining me with uh, some good mental health gains as uh we've been moving forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. So acting, you do acting. It was improv and comedy.
1: hmm Yeah. Both of those things. I just wrapped up uh a class at the Groundlings Theater um here in Hollywood, which sounds much fancier than it probably is, but it's it's a lot of fun. I've learned a lot about yes anding. So whatever you say to me, I'm just gonna be in full agreement. Don't even worry about it.
0: <laughs> I gotcha. So curious what struck your passion for improv and what is it actually like doing improv? I've done a little bit of it, but nothing serious. So tell us a little bit about it.
1: I think I just love the fact that it's fun. Like the whole the whole premise of this thing is to make people laugh and to have a good time. And there's not a lot of other facets in life where it's just purely meant for fun and entertainment. You know, I mean, even in a work capacity, you can have fun doing work, but there's still this underlying thing of, well, I have to accomplish this task for x results with comedy it's like you don't know what's going to happen it's all in the present moment you go up there and if you have an idea you're you're going to botch it because the person you're up there with is going to say something crazy and say like you're acting like a zebra or something and next thing you know you're going to have to neigh for the next five minutes it's it's all ridiculous <laughs> uh but i think that's the reason i like it is because it's maybe it's so far out of the circle of what i do in my day-to-day that when i go and do improv it's like I'm finally in the present moment. I'm not thinking about any worries, and I can just be there.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, I'm i a big fan of improv. I've been trying to get my wife to go with me and do it, but maybe I just need to go do it by myself.
1: You got it. <laughs> Put you on my big it. boy pants. <laughs> it pushes boundaries. Like, I when I first... i So I've done this class twice, and the first time I did it, I did it a few years ago. And now the second time, I'm realizing how truthfully like insecure and maybe self-conscious i was up there because i like every time i got up in front of the class i was nervous i was thinking about what am i going to say like are these people going to think i'm funny when i'm doing things and now after doing you know for the second time it's a completely different experience because now all these transferable skills are coming into play of being able to public speak quote-unquote being able to be in front of people and be fully yourself and confident and be willing to be embarrassing and silly without the worry of like, these people aren't going to be my friends after this. It's like, of course they are. They're all here to do comedy improv. So I think you have to dive in, Timmy. You should 100% do it.
0: There we go. Well, awesome, man. Tell us a bit about what your day-to-day looks like as a podcast host online entrepreneur.
1: Absolutely. So our bread and butter is we do done-for-you podcasts for other entrepreneurs. So anybody that has a... A business that they're running but they want to be seen more as an authority and they love the podcasting space but they don't have the time or resources to get into it we'll do everything for them so from scheduling to researching to editing mixing mastering to distribution all of that stuff we try to make it so that people just show up to the microphone they have their outline or script of what they need to say that hits all the pain points of their customers and just keeps it rolling so that's most of what the day-to-day looks like or serving other people for my podcast, a lot of the day to day is probably similar to what your day to day is doing: is reaching out to people, uh, trying to find a good uh, fit for guests to come on the show, and you know, pushing the needle forward every week. Because, as you know, I, I I don't know if you're up on up to date on some of the podcasting statistics recently, but they're wild. I'm sure you've heard the um, there's there's if 100 people started a podcast, only 10 would get to episode three. And of those 10, only one would get to episode 20. It's like, ridiculous, like it's no. tiny. And then there's, there's another one that says there's about 2 million podcasts on the Apple podcast, uh, where we listen to them. And only like 6%, which I think comes out to around 200,000 are active podcasts, meaning that they posted in the last 90 days, which seems like a super long time. So just in like theory of when people think about the podcasting space, there was like a time during the pandemic where everyone is starting a podcast, but in reality, it's still really unsaturated. Uh, So I stew about those things all day long too. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got you. Well, cool, man. What was your, uh, what was your reasoning for getting into the done for you podcast from software engineer? Like I feel like that's a leap. It's (laughs) like a whole different field.
1: That is a, that is a big leap. That's funny. Oh man, let's get into the weeds here. So uh when I graduated college, I came out of college with sixty thousand in student loan debt. And this is gonna be a long-winded answer. I hope you're prepared for it. Yep. And I was trying to think of ways because I was I was a young, young man. I didn't realize, you know, what that really meant to be in like a colossal amount of debt. So once I figured that out, my senior semester, I was like, I have to figure out how to pay all of this off like as fast as I can. So uh, word got out that I was looking for ways to pay this off. And my sibling's dad gifted me an old Suburban to live in. He was like, if you're going to live in this thing, you can have it. So I turned it into like this makeshift camper uh, camper, and like it had a plywood bed and a sink. And so I lived in it for about 11 months. Well, three years, but lived in it for three years and paid off my debt in 11 months. This is the short version. But during that time of like living outside People would just come up to my suburban and start chopping it up with me and just spilling their life stories. I don't know if it was because like I was cooking spaghetti outside and they were trying to get a plate or like what was so approachable about it, but it was fascinating. And I started to like really lean into these stories and be like, I want other people to be able to listen to these stories. So that's when I started the podcast because I was just stoked on hearing more of like people's struggles and how they overcame them. And then eventually, you know, there comes a time if you take the leap from your day job to something else, you got to figure out how to monetize it. So as I grew the skills of podcast production and, you know, networking, it just seemed like the next most logical step would be like, well, if I'm doing this and other people want this, I could just do it for other people too. So that's how it came to be.
0: Yeah, there we go. So just kind of naturally... Had conversations with people, which naturally turned to a podcast. And then you develop those skills. It's like, let me help others do the same thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think there's there's room where I've done, I could have done things better as well. I think in a lot of cases, it's almost better to be like surveying people and being like, what do you need, and how how can I solve the specific problem. I think I probably could have done more of that over the the course of that time. And maybe I would have started my business sooner. But there was a natural progression to it, which I think lends itself into like an authentic business model, which I am stoked about.
0: Yeah, there we go. Well, tell us what's your motivation now? What gets you up and gets you going every day?
1: Ooh, the big why. That's that's a a big question. Uh, The big why for me is uh, I live under... You know, the greatest commandment, love God, love others. I think that's what inspires me most because, you know, striving to serve a God that loved me first is, is the whole reason to get out of bed. You know, it's, it's put others first and if I can utilize my skills to do that, I need to do that wholeheartedly. So that's my big why.
0: For sure. There we go. Love God, love others. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a a big call and one that will keep your life busy.
1: (laughs) Amen. Timmy, what's yours? Has anybody flipped the flipped on to you? What's your big
0: why? It's actually very similar. Um I like it's love God, love others, but taking it a little deeper, I think there's a lot of unnecessary suffering in mm. the world. Like I, I think there's necessary suffering like we're put here, we have a longing to be one with God, and that's just not going to happen fully on earth. And so um, yeah, I think there's some necessary suffering, and then there's some unnecessary suffering, like lack of financial literacy or being in poverty when you're um, when you have opportunity at your feet. you know, there are a lot of people who are struggling so much to take care of themselves that they don't have the wherewithal to get out of that survival mode and start taking care of others. And so love God, love others. and for me specifically, that means helping people on a journey away from unnecessary suffering, getting their mindset right, actions right. Uh, thought processes right the people that are around right just the whole environment so that they can succeed and then go impact others it's kind of what gets me up and gets me going
1: heck yeah i love that it's the mask first model of the airplane and it's so true you know i i agree with you like i i can't tell you how many people i talk with that i know have a generous heart but don't have the resources to give and i think that is terrible you know and and it really comes down to what you're saying is like education and providing resources to them so that they can go out and rework what they've done
0: yeah yeah absolutely and then you know just getting them around some people who think a little bigger like you know you'll ask Mm. people kind of questions about their plans and stuff and it's like when you're thinking about how to make forty thousand dollars in a job like that's all you're ever going to get because you never even consider different possibilities and it's like but you're so like just straight up, when you go make $40,000, you probably made your employer $100,000. So now yeah. you, you know you can go make $100,000 at least, right? And so there's just so much out there that is not setting people up well, and I want to set people up well.
1: Heck yeah. I and, and following up on that too, I think we've all heard the quote, like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I think what is true, since we're on the topic of financial literacy, I almost think that we're the average in net worth of the five people we hang out with most because when you take a look at all your friends and who you're spending time with, odds are they're probably in the same like socioeconomic class that you are. And if you ever compared your net worth to them, it's like we're probably all in the same same boat here. So to your point, leveling up and it could be like a mentor or just like getting connected with people outside your network that are at a place that you aspire to be at or like want to be surrounded with, I think that innately is going to bring like you up as a person, but also like that net worth, which matters.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I was literally talking with a friend yesterday and I was like, look, look around this circle. Like everybody here makes about 60 to 80, maybe $90,000 a year. I'm like, that's all normal for us. None of us would go take an $8 an hour job, a $10 an hour Mm. job. And if we did, everybody in the community would immediately (laughs) help that person get a better job right? Yeah. And so I was like, just think if you're a circle of 10, they all have a $10 million a year business and they're all pulling 3 million to their pocket a year. If you're mm-hmm. not at that level, they're going to be like, Hey, why aren't you there? You just got to do this, 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 and this, and I'll even help you. And you mm-hmm. know, then you have a business. And so I, I genuinely believe it's uh average net worth as well.
1: Yeah. heck yeah, And I'm sure you've seen it too. Like when you're networking with people to get on your podcast, like I almost like when I've spoken with people that have a significantly higher net worth than myself, I can feel a sense of that and how they carry themselves and how they talk about money and how they refer to things like, and their prioritization of things too. Oftentimes it's, it's time over money, but the, the amounts that they speak in are higher. So, you know, it's like, I had a client and, you know, we lost 30 K on this, but the next deal is going to be around 50 or 60. so, So we should be all right. And it's like, how casually they're talking in those numbers yeah. makes me realize like okay i got i got to work up to your level i got to like i want those numbers to not come out of my mouth as if i'm like hesitating like oh dang like 30,000 you just lost 30,000 you know like yeah. i want it to feel as though they feel too so it's it's fascinating
0: it is it is alex hormozy brought up a good point he was like you know back when he was a fledgling entrepreneur, he put out like 300 flyers to advertise his gym or whatever. And he went to his mentor and he was like, Hey, the flyers didn't work. And the mentor was like, Well, how many did you put out? He was like, 300. And he was like, What, 300 an hour? Like, what, what do you <laughs> yeah. mean? And then he was like, No, I just put 300. He was like, Dude, we test with 5,000. And then after we test with 5,000, we put out 5,000 more every day for a month. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like total different level of marketing and it's the same thing Mm -hmm. with like units of money even perspectives of time they'll be like yeah five ten years from now i'm gonna be here yeah when most people are like next week you know (laughs) Yeah, exactly
1: how how long are you willing to survive or sacrifice in order to get the the result that you want and that's a rarity today too i I think that's almost more like a, a reflection of our culture of our desire for instant 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 and we're even seeing it in the business world too, where even on like the e-commerce side of things, like drop shipping was so hot for so like for such a great duration period of time because it was so quick and people wanted a quick fix. And a lot of those drop shipping stores today are dead because it's like, Yeah, I wanted to sell you this cheap ten dollar Alibaba product that I knew was gonna be gone in two months from now, yeah. which is not sustainable. And and maybe it is, maybe you can keep making drop shipping store after drop shipping store, but at some point you're probably going to feel to yourself like how is this making an impact on people like if i dedicate like you're saying five to ten years for a specific group of people to change their lives the results are going to be a lot greater which i think also as to what you said earlier we have an inclination to do that like there is like a a sense inside of our chest that say i want to serve other people and i want it to have a great impact and yeah. that takes time it's a fact which is hard to face
0: Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Nicholas, let's jump into your dreams and goals, man. Tell us about your vision for your business and your life.
1: Yeah, I think, I think goals always come with a handful of layers from financial to, you know, even personal, physical, spiritual, all those things. So starting with financial, I definitely foresee in the next year or so trying to hit that seven figure mark of revenue. And the secondary goal of that is ensuring that the podcast stays focused in the sense of, our our tagline and, and kind of model that we base things around of is ensuring people strive toward living a fulfilling life. And I think that falls in line of what you've mentioned earlier about being willing to take action. And I think a lot of these things, it, it, it comes down to um, a sense of fear, like a fear of the unknown, like what's going to happen if I do quit my job and dive into the other side. And the other half is what we've mentioned, too, is like the educational resources step-by-steps guides or like hearing from people that have done it before uh, those kind of things so impact driven and I I, like the hard number would probably be to like reach a million to a million and a half people over the course of the next year um, just to ensure that you know that's spreading and because I also say this too like with every goal that we have there's a sense of how exponential it can be so if I say my number is seven figures, that's seven figures in revenue. But me investing that back into the business is going to be more down the road. And that's why that matters. Or me hitting the seven figure mark means that I can actually provide an even higher quality product to my clients. And that's the reason behind some of those numbers. Or the 1 million reached is actually 1 million and everybody's telling their friends. So the impact is even greater that way. So those are my goals in terms of like big scale. But obviously... It stays in the day to day of like, I'm just trying to read my Bible every day. I'm trying to hit all my habit trackers every day, working out each day and doing all the small things too. So that when the big things happen, I'm that person that can handle it. Because if I don't work on my personal character alongside that, it's going to be a wasted goal, you know, like I'll hit seven figures and then I'll ruin the business the next day because I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? So I think that's important to note.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. So we got hit the seven figure mark, ensuring the podcast remains focused and helping people strive towards living a fulfilling life, reach a million to a million and a half people over the course of the next year, and then hit the daily habits every day. Those are kind of the dreams and goals.
1: Right. And on top of that, I I think another another note to make is that systems have to be in place in order to do that, which I say systems in the sense of like self-accountability too. So something that I've been doing recently is... I've created this Excel spreadsheet and I'm sure there's like apps out there that do this too. I think daily. is a good one where you can enter in what you want to hit in your daily habits and how I'm doing it is I have everything I want to hit. It's a yes or no. And then at the end of the month, there's a percentage of how consistent that I'm being at fulfilling those specific tasks. So I can look back and I've done this the past four months and being like, man, I'm blown it in this area or, Hey, I did good in this area and maybe I should double down if that's where my strengths are at. So, uh, That's a note that I would say, too, if anybody's trying to create their goal list, have your hard goals, have your soft goals, but also ensure that you have some sort of
0: accountability in place so you can actually get there. Yeah, absolutely. And when you find yourself just blowing it in one category, what shifts do you make to kind of pick up and do better?
1: The first thing I do is I will text it to about five people that I'm close with and that I trust and say, hey, I'm blowing it in this area. Do you think I need to be doing this? Like, is this something that's even in my realm of focus? And is it just because it's a low priority task that I'm not doing it? And it was like, why did it make the list to begin with? Or is this something that is actually gonna benefit me and I am really blowing it? And can you provide me accountability for the first seven days until I'm back on track? That's the biggest shift that I've seen. Um, And it's helpful, to have other people striving for similar things too. I would say just leave it at that. Hit up the people that you trust and see if this is actually something you need to do.
0: Yeah. I like the seven days of accountability because people can commit to like seven days of really holding you accountable in those seven days. And if you're willing to be held accountable, you know, it'll keep you on track. Um, but you know how I've heard accountability partners is always like, Yeah, can you just hold me accountable? And there's no like forever parameters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is which is much harder to get somebody to commit to. Well, cool man. Tell us about the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make these dreams and goals come true. I've stewed on this. I think part
1: of almost every problem that I've faced thus far in my entrepreneurial journey is there's like where I'm at, there's where I want to be and there's a skill or information in the middle that I simply don't know and I think the thing in between that is finding, continuing to find the people that have done what I want to do and having the opportunity to make friends with them in the sense of like, I don't have to pick your brain every single hour of the day in order to like get value from our relationship. I can simply just be in your presence and learn from you. I've been pretty fortunate recently. There was somebody that I met through my podcast and now we go on, you know, we spend time together like hiking and. He's just somebody that has got it figured out. Like, is his business to streamline? And all of our conversations are never me being like, can you tell me exactly what I need to do play by play? It's like hearing how he interacts with other people. So the skill set, I suppose, in between that is, I guess, finding higher networked people that I can continue to befriend. Um, And I think, I guess, on a more vulnerable side, I think leadership is part of it too. Uh, Being willing to delegate when necessary instead of saying, Everything's gonna be on my back forever and I'm willing to you know die at the bottom of this mountain, which isn't necessary
0: I got you and what would you what would you be delegating and what um what leadership would the leadership skills specifically be delegation and that's it or would you develop in other ways as a leader and also what would you be de- delegating
1: I think the primary thing that I'm striving toward is to move from a CEO type role to an owner type role. And I think that's going to take time in regards to where I'm at and where I want to be. But I also think it takes the skill of, and let me try to give a more particular answer, Um, marketing, bringing in leads. I think like the primary um, responsibilities of a CEO is to bring in money and to make sure you don't burn all your money so so you yeah. can actually pay people that are you're with. So, but being able to delegate those two things is probably one of the biggest, you know, components because I think that's what changes you from being like a a small business owner to an entrepreneur because if you're an owner, you have set businesses that are running in place rather than you being in the day-to-day of everything. Cuz right now, I'll give you an example um like Post-production side, I have my hand in marketing side. I have my hand in still emailing for cold leads and reaching out for leads. I have my hand in all those things are great, but not all of those things need to be my primary focus. So yeah. I would say there's a lot of stuff. To get off my plate. <laughs> I
0: gotcha. I gotcha. And do you have a, uh, a clear cost to acquire a customer? Are you primarily doing cold outreach? So it's basically free marketing.
1: So when we were running paid ads, it was about, it was in between like 90 to 150 bucks to acquire, um, not a lead, but like- A customer. To it, I think, yeah, to a customer or like at least to a sales call. So, which isn't a ter- terrible number. I think per application, it was around 60 bucks. So, but I'm not a big fan of paid ads. I think a big lesson, that's not true. I am, but I think the lesson is, you shouldn't run ads until you validated your offer in a a different capacity. Like I think validating an offer from what Mm -hmm. I used to know was like run paid ads until you know that people are willing to buy this. In reality, it should be like validating your offer through. So let's say uh, from a podcast perspective, meet with everybody that's listening to your podcast, asking them, hey, is this something that you need because you're my target audience? And then they're going to say, I don't want that. Or they're going to say, that's a killer deal. I can't believe you're offering that. I would love that. Yeah. And that costs $0, you know, like it costs no money to, to actually just reach out to people who are already in your sphere. So that's a validation offer, uh, that I learned a while ago that I feel like I still should hold on to, but yeah, that's how much it costs.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Do you know Alex Hormozzi
1: I do. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Do you know his customer financed acquisition, uh, equation?
1: I think I just listened to his podcast recently, but I don't know. It hit me.
0: Gotcha. Um, so there's this video. It was probably like an hour and a half long. He was like how I went from $1,000 to $44 million. And you know, he, did, he was doing some presentation at some conference and he recorded it. And basically the customer finance acquisition model was like, because when you're talking about scaling, moving from CEO to owner is really simple. If you have a systems and processes in place, and they're well documented. And B, you have the capital to hire. If you're missing exactly. one of those two things, you're probably going to be CEO for a while.
1: <laughs> the capital, baby. It's the capital.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he was like, this is how you scale your business without having capital as a restraint on your business. Mm. And so basically his equation is get your cost to acquire a customer, get it down and solid. You know, every time, every lead is $10. And then 10% of those leads are going to go to sales calls and we'll close 20% of the sales calls. So, uh, I actually, I can't do the math right now, but you know, it <laughs> costs <I> <laughs> cost $250 to acquire a customer where it's like, they have given you money Cost $200 yeah. to get them to that point. Get your cost to acquire down, down pat, and then get your cost to fulfill down pat. So, you know, if I have a team, And this team can service 30 clients and I'm paying this team this much over the cost of a year, et cetera, et cetera. And once you get that cost down, it's like, add your cost to acquire to your cost to fulfill, multiply it by two. That Mm. is the profit that you need to receive from one customer within 30 days Mm. from paying for the ad basically. And so that was his model because once you do that, right? If you multiply by two and that's the profit you received, you really multiply the number by three. And it's like, I paid for one customer. This customer made me enough profit to where I can pay for the next customer. And I have other profit for operational expenses and then the dividend that I'm going to pay myself. And that's why he was like, you need to just price your product, right? And so if you decide to commit to paid ads again because you validated your offer and you came to that conclusion and your pricing allowed you to get less than two times profit within 30 days, you might know that you need to bump it up or restructure the offer or whatever it may be. So that's the customer finance acquisition.
1: I think this is really timely because this is something that I've been doing. Like just this week, I started diving into the finance portions of this. And it's funny because I used to be like a transaction every day kind of guy, like always write it down. But since I getting into the weeds of things, you know, priorities fall, whatever. But for the last four months, I've like, am doing exactly... of what we just talked about and it's kind of opening my eyes to like because there's so many parts of an offer that could just be wrong or just need tweaking so like like you're saying maybe you do have the right offer in terms of the service but your price point is too high and you're pricing it high because you don't know those numbers or maybe it's like your your offer is great but the the time it takes for you to deliver that is too long and there's all these little things that need to be tweaked But I love that you're bringing up that point because I'm in the boat of being one of those CEOs that's like just turn and burn right now without having the set numbers in place of like, this is the margins that we're going to receive from this. So it's a great reminder. I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. Um, We got the skills that you need to develop. What are the highest impact daily actions that you need to take to take the needle forward towards your dreams and goals?
1: I think the highest priority task for me, and I think this is going to be moving forward. I'm under the big belief that you should only have like three tasks per day, and they should all try to be as high priority as possible. Otherwise, and I, I mean, I've fallen victim to this many times in the past. Maybe this that's why this this lesson hurts so much is like you'll just do everything and everything becomes nothing and then nothing ever happens. But the three or at least the, the one highest priority task, I think, is anything that is monetary related, like anything that's going to bring money into the door to keep things afloat. Um, So whether that is outreach, whether it is following up with leads, whether it is doing the sales calls, I think part of the servicing too, like anything that's doing retention. And another thing that I think maybe this is from a similar place of Alex Hermosi stuff, I'm not quite sure where I've taken this from, but the lifetime, like the monetary lifetime of a customer, like how long they stay with you on average, and how much that equates to is important to me as well. So I find a lot of satisfaction in like doing the extra work for like clients and customers, because I know that also leads to that too. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going the extra mile. And maybe since this is a subscription plan, you intended for one month, but you're having such a great time, you want to stay for four, you know, things like that. I also think bleed into the monetary part of it. So anything monetary related.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. And so that can look like outreach, sales calls, servicing, but all those things bring in dollars.
1: Yeah. And I think if it's not bringing in dollars, um, but it is high priority, that's another indication of like, delegate it, please.
0: <laughs> don't
1: mm. don't let this stay on my t- like task list for very long.
0: <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. There we go. And what character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true?
1: Hmm. What a great question to me. The character trait that I need to develop most is probably uh, more. I don't think I don't maybe this character trait directness, straightforwardness in the sense of like. Being willing and I don't have a problem with having like difficult conversations, but I do have a problem with like providing too much grace to the point where it's not productive. Like I recently had a client that like was starting to take advantage of some of the nice things that I was doing. And I was like, Okay, well, I'll just keep like providing really good service for you. But then it got to a point where I was like, finally too far along. That I was like, I have to say something. And I think if I said that from the beginning, or like stepped in and said, Hey, I actually don't feel comfortable doing this, like moving forward without compensation. Let's have that conversation. I think that would really change a lot of things. Granted, though, I think that's part of what makes my business like the business that it is, is like being willing to go really far for clients. So finding that balance of being straightforward
0: while also not being taken advantage of. I gotcha. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Where do you how do you think you find that balance? Because it is hard to be like, well, when am I just being nice? And then when am I being more hurtful to myself, the future of my business and my other clients?
1: I think probably when it starts to affect more than just me. So in that particular capacity, I have somebody on my team too, that I could tell I was starting to reach out to them more just for like, Hey, should we be doing this? Hey, should we be doing this? And I think that's a probably good indication that like I was telling myself, stop doing this. Cause like, you know it, but you want to be like a kind person. And so, and I think that's a conflict of like identity really. Like if I, choose to say something about this, maybe I won't perceive myself as a kind person or as kind as I thought I, I was. And there's something there that I was wrestling with. So I think that's finding some of the balance too. And also like, you know, a lot of times our guts right about things. So even if you say it, they have the opportunity to be like, push back on it. So if you are wrong, they're probably going to tell you or maybe maybe they won't. But hopefully clients usually usually like to say what they want.
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Well, if there were one or two people you could meet right now, and that could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals. Who would they be and how would they help? We
1: we talked about Alex Ramosi this whole time. I feel like we have to, if Alex Ramosi was here on this podcast with us, I feel like you and I would have a million questions for him. So I'm all in on that
0: one. Facts, facts, Alex Ramosi. Well, hey, if you get your business to uh, 3 million in, <laughs> is it revenue or EBITDA? I don't, I don't know which one they do. It might be either ridiculous.
1: way. We'll make it happen.
0: Yeah, they'll, they'll be a minority minority owner in your business, <laughs> and when they are, make sure you introduce them to me too.
1: <laughs> I will. Yeah, you'll be cc'd on that email first. First, right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Well, now we're gonna jump into our thriving three, and oh, before that, actually, I want to ask you: Is there a key hire that you could make right now, um, like from the top down? So not not hiring somebody with a lower level skill that would be like that. 40 50k salary but hiring somebody who could you know you pay him 150 but they're bringing in 600 type of vibe yeah i've
1: been doing on this a lot recently i think um i'm a big proponent of like investing in yourself as cliche as it sounds in the sense of like investing in coaches and like people who are willing to consult you that have a very particular niche in something Um, and I used to be really hesitant of this and I still am to a degree. I think there's a lot of phonies out there. Like, I think there's a lot of like, and I didn't realize this either. There's like a lot of gurus that claim they know something, but really in reality, haven't gotten the results they've said they've gotten or like, weren't able to get them. So they're coaching people to try other things on their behalf. Um, so I would say a coach that's been where I want to go is always going to be a solid move.
0: Mm. there we go there we go and is that specifically with scaling a podcasting agency or is it scaling a marketing agency how broad does it get
1: i would say pretty specific i think in my circumstance i would only be hiring a coach in a podcast specific capacity either they had one um, and turned it into an agency or they had one and they scaled it to a certain amount any of those things i'd probably
0: be willing to invest there we go what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one of the three. Wow. Book, movie, or podcast. Mm.
1: I think the classic that never goes out of style is how to win friends and influence people. So I mean, that's book. probably that's gotta be like if that's not everyone's answer every single time, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah there we go good old dale carnegie yeah what's one way you like to take care of yourself
1: i'll go play pickup basketball on wednesdays oh yeah and i think i I think honestly that's because so much of my work is done at a desk and like just having an excuse to go outside and having a physical activity that makes my noggin be fully present anytime i can force myself to be fully present is like a form of taking care of myself because i don't maybe you experienced this too to me is like you're i'm constantly cycling through like either things i need to get done or brainstorming something and my mind has a hard time getting quiet but the moments that i do it's like then i have a sense of clarity afterwards for some reason it's like well if i just stop thinking about it i can solve problems what how does that work so something where my subconscious can kick in and take over is is great
0: yeah i got gotcha. you i got what's your uh strongest skill when it comes to basketball dribbling shooting passing oh. defense I think I was I was not bullied isn't the right word
1: I had there was so much pressure in middle school to make a left handed layup <laughs> 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 that I I have one particular post move where I spin off and do a left handed layup you know it's like a drop uh-huh. step but everybody thinks I'm gonna go right because I'm right handed but I've been practicing my left hand for years that's it that's my best move I have It's almost like the only move I have.
0: Oh, that's epic. I love it. Awesome. Well, what's one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet and work with Alex Formosi?
1: I think continuing to reprioritize and constantly being in evaluation to the decisions I say yes to. Because everything I'm saying yes to, I'm saying no to something else. So every time that I go to a social event, I like am constantly thinking of how is this not to say it like meeting people isn't worth it, but like, how will this help me in the long run? Is this for like building community, which is important to like, you know, like we mentioned earlier, or is this something that I'm just doing selfishly because I'm procrastinating? So constantly refining those sort of things and being in execution mode is going to help me do that.
0: Mm, I gotcha. Now let's talk a little bit more about, building community real quick i just want to get a picture of what community looks like in your life especially yeah. like as a christian because i know for me community that i've found at small group and in the church has left much to be desired and so i'm just asking your thoughts
1: yeah no i can i can definitely agree with that i've had a really difficult time finding a nice uh i mean nice isn't the best word like a authentic group of people that are willing to share and be vulnerable about stuff in their lives and you know actually push one another Um i recently moved at the top of this year from san diego to los angeles and um i think community takes on different forms like i've met a group of christian guys through the church that are no longer meeting within the church capacity but outside the church capacity because we want that other layer of depth because uh, like like maybe what you're saying is like people are giving the cookie cutting cookie cutter answers to everything it's like i want you to say you know do you think that when jesus died he went to hell for three days and rose again or do you think he didn't like i want to get into like those conversations where if you ask some sort of theological question with like inside of a church like group capacity they're like well we're gonna have to circle back on that one and and come back like yeah let's chat about it like let's get let's get real about some things. um so that's at least in the Christian context, what community looks like is being willing to go there and like and and I think there's spaces for each like I was saying, like I think there's a com- comedy improv community that I'm finding myself in, and there should be sections of your life that you're only sharing like pieces of you with. I think that's healthy,
0: yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. well, cool, man. Let's go ahead and jump into our final section of the podcast. This is all about limiting beliefs. It can get a bit personal. So if you want to pass on anything, just say the word. But what is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? Hmm.
1: This will give you a nice gap to edit through, Timmy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, all good. All good. I think that all of the limiting beliefs kind of point to one direction. Like this won't happen for me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like what if you work so hard and then it doesn't happen? It's like, well, what if I work so hard and it does, Yeah, you know, like the the flip side. But I find that those things come in waves for for me. Like, and I can kind of sense when they're happening. It's like a feeling. And I like, I'm constantly trying to reevaluate is like, is this feeling telling me something truthful? Or is this feeling trying to protect me, you know, from, being hurt or let down or disappointed um because like all, i think uh, like doubt and like guarding ourselves and you know avoiding disappointment is all like uh, your your feelings trying to protect you in a sense like i yeah. think the intentions are true it just doesn't mean that they're warranted so uh avoiding doubt you know believing that things can actually happen or i mean shoot if we want to go into the god stuff Maybe, maybe we'll talk after. There's probably a bunch of limiting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. This won't happen for me. And where does that come from for you? I think it stems
1: from my my family. There aren't any other entrepreneurs in my direct line of family that I'm aware of um, that have like gone to the places that I want to go. So I feel like I'm kind of like the first you know, first one taking a crack at this. And if it doesn't happen, like, am I going to destroy my my family lineage? No, nobody's going to be able to be a successful entrepreneur or am I going to be the one that's like, oh yeah, Nick did it. So, you know, my third, third, or three generations from now, they can look back and be like, oh, okay, our family does have some skill set to accomplish these things. I think at all, most of my problems probably stem from some sort of like deep rooted belief about something that happened to my family or childhood upbringing, things like that.
0: I mean, that's how it is for, Just about everybody. (laughs) for sure. Um, Do you have any limiting actions that reinforce the limiting belief that this won't happen for you Hmm. or inactions, limiting actions or inactions?
1: Yeah, I think I think I'm blessed and cursed in the sense of I have a, a pretty large risk tolerance. So sometimes I can fight with myself in the sense of what we talked about earlier. Should I hire this coach or should I not hire this coach? because even taking it back to the paid ads conversation, my risk tolerance is high. And my number one, like personality belief trait, like through all those personality tests is faith. So I do think things are going to happen. And I have a high risk tolerance. So I'll I will be willing to spend on something. And if it's not working, I have a hard time saying, I can make this work, you know, Uh but on the flip side, getting started and like paying a coach to do something, I will like wait and be in like suspicious and, you know, like, well, they, maybe they helped other people, but the likelihood they can help me, I don't know about that. I'm special for some reason, you know? Mm. So that's probably, that's probably an action that I take.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, is there a coach that you've been debating going with and that you'd pull the trigger on now if you were fully confident?
1: I think I'm still shopping. I think there's a handful of podcast coaches on the market. Um and I I feel like I'm lucky enough to like have friends who are friends with them, so they're like telling me the inside scoop. I'm still early in the research, so I don't know. And I know this is like reaffirming the answer I just gave. So, I don't know if I'm like I don't have enough information to execute yet or if it's like a genuine thing that I'm just purely
0: avoiding. <laughs> are there are there two top people in your head right now where it's like, yeah, if I had to go right now, gun to my head, I'm picking one of these two.
1: I think there's only one that I feel that has a a, a good amount of proof to their name and has a similar style to myself. Um, and I don't want to say their name out loud yet, but I'll tell you after if you want. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think there is somebody. It's just a matter of like, is it even what I need? Because here's another thing, too. I think uh, another like problem in my thinking is I can buy my way out of the problem, which isn't always true. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even saying like I have the money to buy out of problems. Like I have the credit card to buy, get myself out <laughs> of this hole. Um, and I think sometimes I already have that information. So the thing with the coaches that I'm trying to determine is... I've, you know, I've done podcasting for a long time. Is it just that I'm unwilling to look at my own stuff and go through the mess and make the adjustments or is it there's, I really do need help. Um, And part of me is starting to believe it's the first part that I have the knowledge. I'm just maybe too scattered or I'm, I'm unwilling to see my own mess that I've made in some way.
0: If you were, if you were coaching yourself right now, what are the top three things you would tell yourself to do?
1: Uh, I would say work through the process that you create for your clients, keep doing that over and over until you, until you find the same rhythm for yourself. That'd be the first thing. Um, the second thing is continue to consult with everybody that I know that is in the space and that has had success. And then the third thing would be to don't throw money at it until it's absolutely necessary. Because I I think similar to the validation of the offer problem, like, I think there's ways to do this without spending money first. And I think part of, there you go, here's another belief for you. I think part of the belief is that money makes the entrepreneur or like the amount of money coming in and out is what defines the entrepreneur. When in reality, it's like the money you keep is is what defines your success in the entrepreneurship space. So yeah, um, those are the three things I'd probably say to myself.
0: There we go. I got gotcha. you. Well, awesome. If you were to change your limiting belief, this won't happen for me into an abundant phrase. And you would say it in a way that really speaks to your heart. What would that phrase be?
1: Other people have gone where you're going and you can still go there in your own way.
0: Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. And when the limiting beliefs start to take over, what thoughts or actions do you resort to to take back control? I think I go outside. (laughs) Yeah,
1: honestly, I think I think taking a walk, a ten minute walk, is. uh, I mean, there's studies that show that it it boosts creativity, and it. There's been a study that recently came out. I think it's about eighty percent of Americans don't get at least an hour of sunlight a day, which is terrible. So, a lot of times when I'm starting to feel down, I realize I haven't gone outside yet, and Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's just a mere fact of like getting enough sun exposure, which sounds like a simple solution, but it's it's true. I think. Most of life has
0: simple solutions, honestly. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Um, Okay, last question for you. Ready? Hit me. Hit me, me. (laughs) Timmy. It's an easy one. What is your favorite belief about yourself?
1: I think my favorite belief about myself is that um, I've developed a sense of grit. I think there are a few situations in life that I think could... Knock me down for certain where I wouldn't want to get back up, but in most of the things that I've experienced, I think I've proven to myself, and I've just have a an innate sense of mental toughness to say, this doesn't look good, but we'll find a way out. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll keep figuring way. out, and maybe that's the faith component that I mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, there we go, Nick. That's all we got for you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This was a blast, Timmy. You're a great host. Hey, appreciate it. Appreciate it. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Nick had to say, make sure to check him out. Check out the show. If you know somebody who is an entrepreneur and wants to host a podcast, make sure to shoot him a referral. All the links to find him and his show will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Hey there, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.